We've reached the traditional halfway point in the NFL season. I say traditional because it's not quite your normal NFL season, but we're getting certainly into the meat of the campaign. We've got the regular crew back for the first time in a good few weeks. Let's get into it, boys. The Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast. Hello, everyone. Cecil Martin here. Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation. Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, this is Jerry Judah, I receiver for the Denver Broncos. Broncos, and you're listening to the 14-Yard NFL Podcast. Yes, indeed, boys. Let's get straight into it. Let's welcome you both in. It's been a while since we've had the three of us together. Steve, how you doing, buddy? I've just refreshed Twitter and read a tweet from Ian Rappaport starting with the Eagles are, and then I almost had a heart attack, and then it says not trading Pro Bowl defensive tackle Fletcher Cox. So almost had a heart attack and then didn't. So that's fine. Although with his cap, we we're never going to trade him anyway. So there we go. So Eagles are probably done. There we go. It's going to be one of those podcasts, ladies and gents. We'll be refreshing Twitter in the background. So, yeah, it could uh, it could go yep. many different directions on trade deadline day as we're recording. Josh, how are you doing, buddy? Well, I've been refreshing Twitter and I've just had to just log out of it and throw my laptop into the sea because at the moment it's just not fun being on my version of NFL Twitter. Brown's Twitter is pretty much a dumpster fire. I don't think that I've had one pleasant thought in days. Um, I can't believe I've actually agreed to do this today. I could have definitely have made up an illness, but it's all good. Let's talk about other teams. Let's talk about something positive. Okay, then let's do that. Let's go all the way back then, fellas. Thursday night football. We said last week it was potentially the game of the week. You could argue it maybe didn't turn out that way, but it was certainly a good game. Arizona, first loss of the season, 21. Green Bay, 28. Green Bay without all of their star wide receivers. Steve, simple question. Aaron Rodgers, has anyone ever done more with less at his disposal? He just keeps keeps delivering, doesn't he? He's, he just we I, I was listening back to our pod the other day and Josh and I were talking about how he's going to really struggle without his top two receivers and at the time we didn't know that Valdez Scantling was out as well so add him into the mix you would have been you know let off for thinking that Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to do anything with that but boy oh boy did he um and you know take nothing away from from his performance the 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 Packers offense was good enough to get the job done. I would say, however, that I just, I think that the, the Cardinals very much came up short um, and that this game was there for, to be won, but they didn't take it. Um, and we said last week that Aaron Jones had to have himself a game and he was their top receiver with 51 yards, but they certainly spread the ball around. And, um, you know, he had 51 yards in the air and 59 yards on the ground. So he had himself a pretty decent game. But AJ Dillon is beginning to make a name for himself in, in Green Bay. Had uh, 16 carries for 78 yards, averaging 4.9. Um, he's looking like a, 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 a nice pickup for them. I think we all were questioning when they picked him, why are they still not giving Aaron Rodgers any help? But <laughs> it seems to be working on the ground. So, yeah, Rodgers continues to impress. Um I think that this, I would potentially throw my hat in the ring and say this potentially makes Green Bay the best team in the NFC right now. Um, it's, it's it's them or the Rams. It's one or the other, I think. Um, this Green Bay team just look on an absolute roll. Take away that week one loss to the Saints and they cannot be beaten at all. And I know we've said this about a few teams, but I don't know where the next loss comes from. I really don't. 
Yeah, they're certainly impressive. Talk about uh, next loss. Obviously, for Arizona, Josh, it was the first loss. You were quite cool on them coming into the season, but I think they've turned you around over the first half of the campaign. But it wasn't exactly a great day at the office for Kyler Murray, was it? Um, what went wrong? Well, this is the Arizona Cardinals I was kind of expecting going into the season. These are the sort of true colours. Um, without wanting to focus too much on Kyler Murray to start off with, is this Cardinals defence reliant on J.J. Watt? Because I didn't see a lot from their defense in that game. Um, I felt that even with uh, Green Bay having nobody really for Aaron Rodgers to actually give it to, they had to be very monochromatic when it comes to the to the play calling. It was a very pedestrian game, I thought. And we've got obviously more pedestrian games to talk about, but you know, it wasn't exactly a, a cosmopolitan game plan from Green Bay, and Arizona just seemed to give them what they wanted. Rogers had time in the pocket, never really seemed troubled. Um, in terms of Kyler Murray, uh, has the luck run out? I mean, you look at that final interception, and it is baffling. I mean, that sort of interception is baffling. I watched it on um, the game in 40 on my way into work uh, next day, and I actually spat out my coffee and started laughing. It was the kind of interception that you only see in, like, the last 20 years of being a Browns fan, you don't really watch other teams make those sort of baffling uh, errors right at the end of games. But um, I wouldn't have put it too much down to Kyle. I just think that Green Bay's defense was fantastic. You know, it was a it was a stellar performance from the defense. They pulled it out when it mattered. Um, I wouldn't say that this puts too much of a marker on the Cardinals. You know, at the end of the day, like Steve says, the Green Bay Packers are an excellent side. I don't think that they're the best team in the league or the NFC at the moment. I'd probably, I'd put them maybe third, um, you know, behind the Rams, maybe for the Cardinals or the Bills. You know, one of those two, I think, creeps into second. I haven't done my power rankings yet, but um, yeah, in I, I don't, don't worry too much about the Cardinals. This was all about the Green Bay's defense and maybe just a smidge of luck. What I would say quickly, just on the back of your point about um, uh, Rogers getting loads of time in the pocket was Chandler Jones has disappeared off the face of the pass rushing earth. Week one since, wonder. Since week one, when he had five sacks, he hasn't had a single one since. Not not one sack since. Where have they gone? And and if if what's gone down, you raise a good point. If he can't get going, where's their pass rush? Where's that gone? So yeah, some questions to answer for Arizona. And how much of a problem is it for them? Because if they can't if they can't slow down Green Bay, if Green Green Bay's offense when they literally have one guy, maybe two, you know, what does that say for the rest of the season? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it will be interesting to see if it's a, just a blip on the road or whether it is the start of a few problems for the Cardinals. We will wait and see. Let's get into Sunday then, fellas. Atlanta 13, Carolina 19. Uh, real ugly game. Probably overshadowed, though, Steve, by the news that came out around about kickoff time, maybe around about half time, but it was certainly sort of um, sort of the, the main storyline that dominated the game and obviously will dominate the Falcon season Um news i suppose moving forward calvin ridley um taking a indefinite break from the game um, for mental health reasons he's been an inactive the last couple of weeks um which you know sort of indicated that there was something going on he was on the injury report as a non-physical injury um, but he's decided to step away 
Um, potentially some somebody that a lot of people thought may well sort of elevate to become almost one of the best receivers in the league. How big of a blow for the season do you think this actually is for the Falcons? Well, I think I think we'd be uh, we'd be missing the point to not focus on why he's doing this, and I think it's really important to highlight how how crucial it is that he's taking time for himself to step away from the game to to focus on his own mental health and how important it is especially for men to be able to do that and come out and talk about it and and do what he's done you know Philly, the uh philly um uh right tackle lane johnson took a few weeks out recently um and then sat down with jake laser from fox sports before the game and, and had a conversation with him and they broadcast that before the game and it's like a five minute segment about why he took the time out that he did what he was suffering from with depression and all that sort of stuff and i think it's just it's becoming much more of a, a less shall we say um uh, a topic that no one wants to talk about anymore and I think that me- a lot more men are starting to open up about it so I think that's really really important to highlight that and you know we we wish him well and we hope he's hope he, he gets to a place where he can be okay and, and, and if he comes back to football then great because he's a hell of a talent but you know some things are more important aren't they um, so yeah he will be a huge loss if we talk about just on the field for a second he will be a huge loss that that, that Falcons offense already lost uh, Julio, uh, trading him away to the to Titans before the season. Um, they obviously added Kyle Pitts, who's a who's a different sort of weapon in his own right. But losing Calvin Ridley, your sort of number one go to guy, is going to be a massive loss for them. I think this Falcons team is obviously in a in a sort of uh, a downturn year, and it's, I don't know where they sort of go from here. Does this does this signal a you know a, 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 a another losing record and perhaps more wholesale changes to come? I don't know. Um, I think it'd be interesting to watch other pieces of this organization towards the end of the season and where they end up. Um, certainly Matt Ryan as well. Um, but this was, uh, it was also a, quite an impressive win for the Falcon for the, for the Panthers. They, they tried their best to give it away, you know? Um, but you know, they, they got the job done in the end. And I think it's, it, 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 sell, it tells more about what Darnold isn't than what he is. And I think what he isn't is the answer for, for, uh, for Carolina. Um, but yeah, the Falcons moved to three and four, and I think without that, without uh, Ridley moving forward, they've they've got a big hole in in in, the, in that offense. Yeah, let's flip it over to the other side then, Josh, and I'll I'll pose that question to you. It seems an age ago that we were all um, you know throwing praise at the Panthers when they were sitting pretty at three and zero. Oh, um, thought that you know Sam Donald started off the season net. pretty well um but certainly in the last few weeks it's certainly taken a bit of a nosedive is there a quarterback controversy brewing there PJ Walker's come off the bench um PJ Walker my old buddy from the good old XFL days um do we think there is a controversy brewing there I think that there was always a controversy in Carolina in terms of the quarterbacks. Before I actually get onto this, I just want to say that I was not one of these that was heaping praise on Carolina. You two were having your fun saying, oh, there might be some up there, but no, they they weren't beating anybody special. It was always coming back to, uh, this was always coming back to roost. But um, yeah, I think that Darnold had a bit of fun, but as soon as you start playing against better teams, then there was always going to be an issue. The Watson rumours obviously got to Sam Darnold by the looks of it. There's definite definite proof of that, I think, when you look at things of which teammates have said where they've gone, you know, Sam Darnold does seem like a different player when, you know, in the bit where there was 
talks about Carolina looking at Deshaun Watson and other quarterbacks. And what this does now, because Sam Darnold's obviously entered the concussion protocol, is that PJ Walker now does actually have a chance to stake his claim. And why not? You know, Carolina's definitely still in the rebuild. Carolina's still got a few, uh, I'd say, a few years in the churn. So um, so why not? I imagine they'll probably go back into uh, either the draft or the market for a QB in the next coming years. Sam Darnold has to prove that he's the guy. He's not done that yet. He had a good start, but that could definitely have been said to have been a defensive win, not an offensive win, um, early doors. And... Yeah, um, I think that Sam Donald shouldn't feel safe at all. Even when you've got some of his, you know, some some of his uh, highest praises going, this is the Sam Donald of the Jets that they've uh, currently got there in Carolina. You know that there's something going wrong. Yeah, certainly needs to turn a corner and turn it pretty quickly. Let's move on, fellas. Indianapolis 31, Tennessee 34. Good game. So Went close. All the way to overtime. So close to my it was very close indeed, very close indeed. But yeah, the Titans do get the job done. Um, to be fair, the Colts they did pretty well to actually get it to overtime after quite possibly one of the worst picks I've ever seen thrown by Carson Wentz. As an Eagles fan who's seen plenty of Wentz, has he ever thrown a worse one than that one? Oh, he's got some in the locker. He's, he, the problem <laughs> is, is that I saw it described perfectly on Twitter. Carson Wentz is the type of player where you could describe a player that's happened. So that, that, that interception that he threw the left hand interception, you could describe that to someone without mentioning the player. And they would know that you're talking about Carson Wentz. That's the type of player that he is. And he just, this is what he's got in his locker. This is what he comes with. Don't get me wrong. He has, he has things that he's really good at. Like at the moment, his downfield ability. I mean, I know he keeps underthrowing these passes and getting PI calls at every single one. That's, that's a whole different conversation, but he does have his, 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 you know, his plus points. And there are things that he's good at as a quarterback, but he comes with all this baggage and that I don't know what he's doing. It's like, he's, it's like, he's allergic to throwing the ball away. It's like, he's, he, he's had a few of these plays and there was the one against Atlanta in, in Philadelphia green, where he's going, he's being tackled and he's going to the ground. And before his knees hits the floor, he gets the ball out to the guy in the slot and completes the pass. He has this ability to, to make these crazy plays. But the problem is, is that, you know, one in five of them will end up in something absolutely outrageous like this why is the ball in his left hand to start with why does he try and throw the ball with his left hand to start with and some people were even saying that it was a big brain player because if it had taken the safety it had been two points to the titans and the titans would have got the ball whereas when he takes the, the when he gives the possession over and they get the pick six the colts get the ball straight back and he gets another chance but was that really going through his mind in those split <laughs> seconds in the end zone? I don't, I don't genius, think it was. Genius if it was. Genius if it was. Exactly. He, I mean, here's, here's my question, Steve, just to interject, because I really want to get you while you're on that point. Now, if you didn't mention as to who it was and what game that this was and everything else, you could have easily been talking about Patrick Mahomes then. In terms of crazy interceptions, would do anything not to throw the ball away, would do anything to actually keep things in play. You know, there's definitely something to be said that that's not, you know, you know, it's not being, it, it, might, it might be reckless. And I think that reckless is probably the right word. Um, but in terms of just plain stupidity, you know, you see even the best doing it and it not coming up and interceptions galore. I think, so, I think until this season, though, Patrick Mahomes was very, very good at doing that. And we'll come on to him later on and his record at the moment and the tribulations of the Chiefs. But 
the thing with Mahomes, obviously, he can back it up. He's been to two Super Bowls. He's won one of them. Like, he's he's still incredibly young. Like, you know, he's a supreme, supreme talent. And I'm not suggesting that Carson Wentz isn't a good quarterback, but it's just that he comes with this baggage. And, like, his stat line wasn't amazing. 27 of 51. That's almost 50%. Um, 231 yards, three touchdowns, but two interceptions as well. So it's it's just difficult. And I'm hearing a lot that, that Frank Reich is very much on the hot seat in Indianapolis. And, I'm, you know, they're three and five. This was a tough loss against a divisional opponent who is, you know, the Derrick Henry news aside, which I'm sure you'll touch on, Josh. Um, they are now 6-2 and two and, and probably will win this division if they can get the run game established still. This was a tough loss for Indianapolis. Um, and this was a game that they, you know, they, they and, and I've read today, today as well that they've led... Um, going into the fourth quarter um, several times this season, and they're still yet to win one. They've, I think they've outscored their opponents by 44 points in the first three quarters, and they've been outscored themselves by 25 points in the fourth quarter this season alone. So, like, they're, they're, they're struggling in the fourth quarter. They can't finish games, and, you know, that's the business end of the, of the quarter. And if they can't get it done, then they're never going to win any games. So, yeah, I don't know what to do about the question of Carson Wentz. But he's not my problem anymore. So here we go. <laughs> yeah, you've alluded to it when you've talked about it there, um, Steve. Josh, I'd pose this one to you. Obviously, the Tennessee win, huge win, divisional win, gives them both victories now over the uh, the Colts, obviously, importantly, from a tiebreaker perspective. But comes at a huge cost. Derrick Henry expected to miss between six and ten weeks, um, you know, which potentially basically puts him out for the rest of the regular season. Obviously, they'll hope to be in the playoffs. Um, but... Obvious question, will they get there without a man that is probably the single most influential player for a team in the NFL, I would probably say? Well, if they are going to do it, then they would do it in the same way that they beat Indianapolis this week because Derrick Henry was a non-factor. I think he had something, wasn't it like 27 carries for something like 50 yards or something at one point. He was very much a non-factor and he was used more to get the passing game going than anything else because he certainly couldn't do anything himself. Uh, And I think there's been a couple of games like that this season where Derrick Henry has not been the beast that he is. I think that Tennessee have got a problem in that they don't seem to have an identity. I think that that kind of works for them in a way because teams don't know what's going to be working against them on a week-by-week basis because there are some games where Ryan Tannehill just takes the game on his shoulders and rides off into the sunset. And there are other games where Derrick Henry has to you know, go through a brick wall. So I think that it definitely brings down their win totals, um, maybe by a couple. Uh, because I don't think that Ryan Tannehill and that offense is going to be able to consistently perform week in, week out without him. I think that he's very important in terms of providing a solid foundation for the passing game as well, something of which I think that we can all say is that a strong running game helps create a strong passing game. So you're going to lose that. Um, I don't think Tennessee have a great option at running back now. I can't remember as to who they've just brought in. Oh, they've brought in um, Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson, Peterson, there's your answer, guys. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to help you get into the playoffs. Um, I wouldn't rule out Indianapolis to win the division. I know that they've obviously, you know, it's three and five. They've lost both games to the Titans. But they're going to have better games ahead now in terms of the rest of the season. They've had a tough start to the season. We said it at the, uh, we said it in the off season that Indianapolis 
had a tough start and the injuries weren't going to help either. So I think that they are going to end up turning this around and doing quite well. They're a good football team. No matter what you say, they are a good football team. Um, Tennessee, Tennessee have brought out the wins, but they also lose to stupid teams when you think about it as well. So I think that the AFC South is up for grabs between those two. It's not going to be easy either way. Um, I think it's still a coin toss. What I would just say quickly is the math scores against Indianapolis. Like Tennessee have got six wins already and they still have games against the Texans twice, the Dolphins and the Jaguars, and then also other winnable games against the Steelers, the Niners, and maybe the Patriots. So you could see the Texans, uh, Texans, you could see the Titans picking up four wins there, at least of those. That would get them 10 wins. And I don't see Indianapolis winning eight more of them of the nine remaining games. They just, they're just not going to do that because they'd have to get above them. They'd have to get to 11 or even 10 wins if Tennessee only win three more games. I just I just can't see Indianapolis doing that. Um, I have to admit, I thought they were only five and two. I didn't see the six and two there. I didn't think yeah. anyone got above the five points at this point. So, yeah, it, it, the, the coin's definitely heading towards Tennessee. But, you know, without Derrick Henry there, do they become too monochromatic? That's the mm. question. We shall wait and see. Certainly adds an interesting dynamic to that division, doesn't it? I'm going to speed up a little bit, fellas. Going to whiz through a few of the games that uh, were either quite dull or were sort of blowout city. So let's start off. Buffalo 26, Miami 11. Very quickly, Steve. Buffalo, do they need a run game to actually go all the way? When I tell you that their running backs combined for 47 yards on 15 carries and Josh Allen led the team with 55 of his own. It's not very. It's not a very good stat line, is it? I mean, some teams make it work. You know, uh, look at what Lamar Jackson's done for years. But they do have pieces to complement that. So yes, I think they definitely need to get Singletary moving a bit more. But whilst Josh Allen is as good as he is through the air, and teams seem to be diff- you know be struggling to stop him, um, you know, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. So I, that's the mantra I've, I often believe in. And yes, they do need to get Singletary going more. And it'll be interesting to see when they come up again. And they have come up against better defences that have stopped that and have been able to beat them. So, yes, there's still a lot of questions, um, you know, for them to overcome. But so is a lot of other teams in the AFC. No one's pulling away in the AFC, which makes it an absolutely fascinating season in the AFC. Fascinating. Certainly does. Miami aren't going to be playoff bound. Josh, quick question. Brian Flores, does he last the season? Does he even last the two? Let's, let's, Let's make it a shorter time frame. They play the Texans on Sunday. If they lose that one, they then face Baltimore on a short week and that then gives them a mini-buy. That seems like a natural break point. Does he last the next two games? Yeah, I reckon he lasts the season, to be quite honest. I think that they see what he was able to do last year. I think that Miami just showed that they were too quick in terms of their uh, rebuild. you got to remember, a year ago, we were thinking that Miami were probably only going to get about three wins at one point, and they ended up being the surprise package of the season. This is probably just a bit more of a reset, maybe the luck going on the other side a bit, understanding that Tua might not be the man to lead them on. Um, Yeah, I think that he... I reckon he probably gets another year, if I'm quite honest. I don't think that the organisation is very quick to um, to to throw him off. There's there's probably stuff behind the scenes that you don't see. I I just think that they were a little bit too quick with their uh, results more than anything else. 
Fair enough. Let's keep moving through some of these other ones, fellas. I'm going to throw you now because I'm going out of schedule in terms of what I posted on our group chat earlier. I thought that you might somehow. You thought I might. Just (laughs) conscious of time. So let's go Blowout City. Let's go Detroit 6, Philly 44. Steve, talk to me. Philadelphia. Running backs galore. Jordan Howard's back in the end zone as well, my friend. Uh, Must have been a pleasant watch for you Sunday evening. It was. The uh, the Eagles wrapped up 236 yards of rushing offense. Um, it, you know, uh, f- three players had over 50 yards on the ground uh, and both Boston Scott and Jordan Howard had two touchdowns each. So, yeah, it was a really pleasing afternoon, especially as Miles Sanders was on IR, so he wasn't even playing. Um, yeah, really pleasing afternoon as a, as a Philly fan. They put up more points than I've seen since the, the Super Bowl was 41 points, so they haven't put up 44 points in, I think, something like 15 years. So, um, you know, real pleasing to see them just scoring at will. Um, I saw someone criticise them, saying that... Uh, that um, you know, they, the the way that they were going to uh, show Jalen Hurts this game was to hide him and run the ball. I was like, well, if they're running the ball and it's working, why would you just stop doing that? So, yeah, a bit of an odd one there. But um, no, really good game. Um, this Detroit team that everyone was saying was fighting hard and was going to win, and a lot of people had begged them to win this game. I don't know where that Detroit team went because they were dreadful. And if that's the, if that team that I watched on Sunday is the Detroit that's been playing for the last eight games, there is no wonder there's 0-8, and they will definitely go close to winless this season because Jared Goff was terrible. So to touch on that, because I know that's pretty much my question, where did the Lions go? I think that they just went all out against the Rams the week before, and they probably just didn't have the heart to go up against the Eagles. I think that teams which are around winless to one or two wins are going to be like that, where you're going to put all your energy into causing an upset. And if it doesn't happen, then it's going to set you back some bit. Um, I I reckon that they will... They, they, oh, sorry, I completely got myself tongue twisted there. Um, I reckon that they will be in contention for a win or two. I just think that you can't expect consistency on a weekly basis. And also, Jared Goff isn't the answer. We know this. We know that, you know, he's basically just there because he's competent enough to start at quarterback in the NFL. And, you know, there was a lot of draft capital given and all the rest of it. So, no, he's not the answer. The Lions aren't all that great, but they are going to cause one or two teams problems. It just isn't going to be every week. Absolutely. The Rams figured out that uh, Goff wasn't the answer. They obviously brought in Matthew Stafford, ironically from Detroit, and the Rams absolutely took care of business on Sunday. 38-0 up until the Texans had a bit of a fourth quarter rally, um, ended up as a 38-22 scoreline. Steve, just on the Texans, can they take anything away from a 22-point fourth quarter? I mean, Davis Mills actually didn't play too badly. You know, 29 of 38, 310 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. He was sacked a few times, but, you know, you can blame that on the line. Um, I, I thought he played okay, considering he was a third-round draft pick this year. Wasn't expecting to be playing this year. Um, I thought he did all right. His, his touchdown throw to Brandon Cooks was lovely. That was a great pass. So, yeah, I think, you know, this this Texan season is obviously, you know, just get through the season and, and then we'll start again next year. They're obviously... Um, they're obviously just trying to get through as best they can. I'm surprised that Brandon Cooks hasn't been traded. We are now past the deadline and he hasn't been traded. So I'm surprised that he stays there. Um, I'm surprised that all four of their aging running backs are all still there as well. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I think, you know, you, you take what you will. Is Davis Mills going to be the long-term starter in Houston? I, I doubt it. I still don't really know why they picked him. If they see something in him, then great. You know, I thought he played quite well. But, you know, this was this was far closer than it should have been for LA. 
Yeah, I mean, just on Davis Mills, I think he probably keeps the job moving forward. I mean, Tyrod Taylor's hamstring, God knows what he's done with it, but he's been gone for about seven weeks with a hamstring injury, which seems absolutely bizarre. Just on the Lions, Josh, we'll probably talk trades in a bit. Obviously, big news, one of the confirmed trades, Von Miller going to join that Rams defence. They're all in. They don't have a draft pick for about the next 17 years, so it's Super Bowl or bust. Can they do it, mate? Of course they can. Um, I think that the Rams have probably caught one of the best uh, run front offices going where they literally do not care about the youth of uh, the United States of America. They are happy just constantly getting veterans in and and borrowing from the future to pay for now. If they don't get a Super Bowl from it, though, they're going to end up with so much egg on their face. Um, I think that ever since they went in for Matthew Stafford, they knew that their window was now. I think that their window probably lasts three years from now, so they better get it done now because otherwise they are going to be paying for it for a long time since. The one thing I will say about their draft picks is that they have a lot of compensatory picks. They are happy with with um, not renewing veterans as well and getting those compo picks back. So it's not like Rams fans are going to have a completely boring draft, just a completely boring draft day one more than anything else. Um and they're a great team. I think they're probably the second best team in the NFL right now. Maybe even the best team. Uh, actually, no, I've got them down as the best team, I think, in my uh, in my notes. So do I think they can do it? Yeah. Basically, do I think that they can beat the Packers in the uh, NFC Championship game? Yeah. I think, uh, I think at the moment that's very much the way I'm looking at it. So why not? I, I just quickly I saw the 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 um, Rams outlook on their cap uh, very interesting summed up in one tweet and it was something along the lines of uh, the last time a Rams picked in the first round they tr- they used that pick on Jared Goff and so their reaction to that was like wow we're never doing that again <laughs> <laughs> was that pick one as well yeah they were yeah. first first pick of 2016 yeah. Yeah, like I say, all joking So they haven't got one for a while, but uh, it seems to be working for them. Let's stay in that division. Seattle 31, Jacksonville 7, Geno Smith getting a win, um, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett combined for 18 of the 20 completions that Geno Smith threw. Uh, Metcalf catching the touchdowns, Lockett basically catching everything else. Steve, I think you've mentioned it before. Um, are these the best one-two punch in the league in, in terms of the receiver position? I feel like they have to be. The fact that they're still performing without Russell Wilson tells you all you need to know. They're such a good pairing. And that that catch from, um, uh, I think it was Metcalf in the end zone for the touchdown was stunning. It was absolutely stunning catch for him to pull that in and still get his feet in bounds was incredible. Um, and, and, Gino seems to be sort of coping quite well and you know yeah. and this is this was a, a game that could have been a trap game you know we talk about them quite a lot you know Trevor Lawrence is starting to get a bit of chemistry going and this could have been one of those games where Seattle could have lost if they weren't careful but they took care of business and and they got another win in the books and then they were a week closer to Russ being back and I think he had his pins taken out he put on on Twitter yesterday so they're a week closer to him being back and if they can get some momentum going and get Russ back in the building then yeah this Seattle team could could go on a run. I really want him to auction off that pin that he put on Twitter. <laughs> I just want to know how much a pin would go for if it's been in Russell Wilson's leg. I just think that'd be really interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a it's a long way, Josh, from London to Seattle, and it seems an awfully long way since uh, the Jags 
was celebrating that sort of last-minute field goal to win their opening game, well, their first game of the season. Uh, where do they go from here, mate? There's, there's absolutely zero consistency. And to be honest, there's very little to actually sort of take positives from. Well, the Jags have kind of completed their season objective, haven't they? Win a game. In fact, actually, they've probably completed two season objectives. Win a game and make sure it's the one in London to keep the UK fans on side. <laughs> so, you know, I, I reckon that the only way is up. And if you look at the Jags schedule, like I've currently got in front of me, bit Blue Peter moment for you there. Here's something I did earlier. Uh, they play the Falcons at home. They've got the Texans at home. And then they've got the Jets away. That's three very winnable games in their schedule. If they somehow end up 3-14 and 14 or something like that, that is an incredible record for them, considering how bad we thought they were going to be at the start of the season and how bad they actually look on, on the field, let alone on paper. So in terms of where do I see them, probably a 2-3 to three win team. It's about right. Their rebuild is slow. It's arduous. It's Browns 2000s-esque. Um, you know, as someone that went through that, like you, Sean, I think that we can easily give our condolences to any Jags fans unless they decided to join in the last couple of years, in which case more for you. Um, you know, so I'd say mission accomplished and possibly you've got a couple more wins to go, which is a lot more than some teams have had in terrible seasons past. We will see if they can get another one or two on the board. Let's go then, fellas, to the snooze fest of the weekend. Denver 17, Washington 10. Really, really dull game. Defence is on top in this one. Nice for Washington's defence to actually hold somebody to less than 30 points. But obviously, I don't think we're going to be giving them too much credit that it was the Denver offence. Um, Steve, in terms of this Broncos defence, they're obviously losing Von Miller. Um, which is going to be a key piece. But, I mean, Justin Simmons continues to be quite uh, the weapon on the back end. He got a couple of interceptions. It's the defence that's going to carry Denver if he's going to carry it anywhere. But um, what do you think of the Broncos now at 4-4 four and four at the halfway stage? Yeah, um, Justin Simmons is obviously the sort of star player of that defence, but, you know, picking up guys like Pat Satan's come into the league and settled in really well. He looks like an accomplished sort of cornerback and they've got a really solid defence. But as we've said before, like, you know, I, I know that when Dave's been on, he's mentioned this before with Denver as well. It's just, you just never know what you're going to get with Teddy Bridgewater. You just can never quite rely on him. And he's, you know, he's, I think he's a step up from Sam Darnold, but he's in that same sort of bracket. Like, you just never know what, what quarterback you're going to get, what performance you're going to get. And whilst I thought this was a game that Washington could have, Washington could have won, um, you know, Denver coming away with a victory gives that keeps them on track. They're four and four. Um, you know, that, that um, AFC West division is still insane because no one seems to want to win it anymore. Um, uh, so, yeah, there's, I think there's def- the season's not over for them, for certain. I think if they can get a couple of players back um, and, and you know, and Bridgewater can keep playing well, I just wonder if it's the coaching. I wonder if it's the limitations of Fangio mm. and, and such that is, is is holding them back. But I will just quickly say with Washington, wow, did we all overhype that defence. I think some people were calling it potentially the number one defence in the, in the league. <laughs> Look at it. That's two and six. Unbelievable. Yeah, and at two and six, uh, Josh, it probably poses the question. We had this debate seemingly a lot on the pod at the back end of last season as to whether they should win the division or not win the division. And there was obviously the you know the requirement for a quarterback. I mean, obviously they brought in Fitzpatrick. Injuries obviously happen. 
is it time to tank now? I don't know what the quarterback class is looking like. Probably need to uh, speak with the college guys to to find out more about what potentially might be options coming into the league. But two and six, four or five games already out from Dallas. It's basically season over, isn't it? Well, yeah, I don't think that they're going to be exactly knocking on the postseason door, especially with the way at the end. The NFC seems to be like the AFC last year, where you have to play as much as possible and get as many wins as possible to get through that door. With the NFC, you almost fight not to be in it. Um, that seems to be the AFC this year, where they're all sort of converging towards almost a 500 team gets in. Um, so I think that the postseason's out for Washington. I think that it was out for them ever since they had to put um, Heineke in as the uh, QB. He's obviously not the answer. He he had one good performance against the Bucks, and they still lost that anyway. Um, overhyped, saw as the guy that could take them through. If I reckon that that was a watershed moment. If you brought someone in like Cam Newton or someone like that that could have marshaled the offense and kept it going, then maybe there would be some belief within the team to do it. Um, they could end up still getting second in the division just because I think that the division is that bad. Sorry, Steve. Um, you know, they've still got a lot. I think they've got five of six divisional games left. They've only played the Giants so far, and even that was, um, you know, right on the wire. So, you know, th- there's nothing to say that they couldn't end up being second in the division, but even so, it's still going to be with like maybe six wins at best. And that's best that's being optimistic um where does it get them well let's say that everyone else tanks in their normal way at the moment because this would be an organic tank rather than an actual like spirited one they end up about round uh, pick five that is apparently good enough for let's take a look uh matt coral from Ole Miss as the qb either that or malik willis um so i have no idea we'd have to ask the college guys uh i've heard of the one not the other that shows you how much i watch uh college football i don't think the qb class is supposed to be that great my, this year my understanding is is the qb class is not that great i'm not writing any of them off but i don't think it's going to be five taken in the top 15 yeah i i don't think it's going to be anything like what we've seen in the last few years where qbs are rushing off the board yeah. but um they need one yeah, well, I've, got the, yeah, I've got the answer for him, Josh. I've got the answer for him. Let's move to our next game. The answer is surely Mike White at the New York Jets, the back quarterback. Oh. Surely after that performance, someone's going to be throwing first-round picks at him. What a performance, all joking aside. 34-31, the, uh, the Jets defeating the Bengals. The Bengals were leading the AFC coming into the weekend. Who on earth would have predicted the Jets get this one? Steve, all joking aside... I'm not so. I'm, I'm obviously in jest suggesting that Mike White will be going for high draft picks. But how good was he on Sunday? It was an incredible performance. He was he was excellent. Like 400 plus yards for a backup who is apparently also a rookie. I didn't realise he's a rookie as well. So um, you know what a performance. Um, and yeah, just just you know, why did they trade for Joe Flacco? I just don't really understand why they traded for Joe Flacco. Like who needs um, six rounders? It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just don't get it. But no, what a performance from from Mike White and a really solid win for the Jets, and it shows that they're not they're not dead yet. <laughs> um, and uh, you know they they play uh, they play the Colts on Thursday night football this week, I think. Um, oh, that would be a bit of a headline if they can beat the Colts with Mike White under center. Um, 
you know, and uh, yeah, it's certainly something you get. You could recoup some some draft capital for him when you've got Zach Wilson, uh, you know, that you've just spent your second round, second overall pick on. So, yeah, incredible win for Jets for the Jets. I don't think anyone predicted that. No, I think. How much would you get root... for Zach Wilson instead? Ooh, interesting. Mm, you know, if, if, if one spanner. works, if one works and the other doesn't, just That's because you drafted him higher. I love that the backup quarterback has one good game and then all of a sudden we're like, right, trade Zach Wilson. <laughs> Chaos! It's the NFL, mate. It's what yeah. have you done this with me? This is the New York Jets. This is the New York Jets. Anything could happen. True. This is very true. Well, joking aside, if Zach Wilson's fit and available this weekend, I don't I don't think he is. But if he was, I mean, surely they'd have to keep Mike White in anyway after that performance. Surely. You say that, but the NFL, the NFL never goes that way. They are happy with one and done. Very true, very true. Let's flip it over to the other side of the ball. Like I said, the Bengals very much probably fancied coming into this game. Whether expectation got the better of them or not, I don't know. Joe Mixon only 33 yards off 14 carries. Um, you know, to be fair, Jamar Chase had a touchdown again in this one, but was held to just three catches. Simple question, Josh. Is it just a bit of a blip or is it actually back to reality? Now, it took me ages, and I think that you guys will agree, it took me ages to get on the Bengals bandwagon. I think that part of it was me being a homer. I think part of it was me looking at things slightly differently. This very much seemed like a typical Bengals performance to me, where they are inconsistent. The offensive scheme seems like if you're able to get it down pat, then it can be stopped. Uh, Defensively, they're a bit of a mess. Um, it just seemed like everything went together for a perfect storm against them this week. And this is the sort of thing which I tie down to the Bengals quite often. Um, you just haven't seen it all that much this year. It could just be a blip. It could. It could be the Bengals looking at their opposition and thinking that they should you know, beat them 10 times out of 10 and just not putting in as much effort. In fact, that's probably it. The Bengals probably have to work 110% for all of their wins this year, even against the even against the teams that aren't as good. They probably can't go somewhere and just glide wins. They have to, re, you know, Jamar Chase has to have 400 yards receiving and, you know, this, that and the other for it to work out. They probably need to put in a five-star performance every week to get the wins. Um, so it could be a blip, but can they keep that kind of intensity for 17 games? I don't think so. I don't think they're a terrible football team, though. They are definitely still a team that I can see in a wild card spot. Big game on Sunday. We might get to that shortly. Um, becomes a bigger game because of the next one that we're going to talk about. Cleveland 10, Pittsburgh 15. Didn't um, happen. Oh God, it was a tough watch. It was a tough watch. Steve, come on, you're the uh, you're the neutral in the pack. Cleveland's offense, it's disappeared, mate. Where's it gone? What's the problem? Now, I saw a stat tweeted earlier, and I had to check it was correct, so because I didn't quite believe it that Cleveland only have seven passing touchdowns this season. That's yeah. astonishing. Now I know that their running game is obviously excellent, but 
seven passing touchdowns. That's shocking. Um, and I'm going to read something that my, my friend's a big Cleveland fan, and he sent me this. And this is what he, his, his take on the whole thing is. He said, if you were to believe Twitter, Baker isn't the guy for us. It's all his fault. He's been playing injured. He's not elite, etc. Et Truth is, we've been good enough to be 7-1 and one right now. Individual mistakes has cost us three wins, Kansas City, LA Chargers, and Pittsburgh. And Baker has played amazing in all three. Last night, Juice dropped two catches for 20-plus yards and a fumble. OBJ backed out of a catch that was a touchdown. I don't want to hear any more Baker slating. The OBJ experiment has to end. Give Higgins OBJ's targets from now on. Now, I see where he's coming from, but what I would just quickly say, from my perspective as a neutral, and I don't have a, a, a dog in this race, um, uh, I just don't think Baker's got enough. I just, I, I'm not suggesting he's a bad quarterback, but he's not in the elite class. A good quarterback would have won that game yes on Sunday. And you know, the the elite guys would have gone down the field and won that game. And I know that guys drop passes and I know that there's things that obviously went against him, but a good quarterback would have made that happen. And the fact that they've only got seven passing touchdowns this this season shows a, a, a definitive problem within that that offensive scheme. But another quick thing to flip it over onto the defense as well. The, your defense is thirty first in takeaways this season. 31st so the defense is yeah. not helping at all and if the defense is just getting flattened every single time and they're just they're just letting the teams go down the field and score no matter what the offense does they're not just they're not going to win games they're just not going to win games and it this this Cleveland team this season shows a lot of parallels with all of those teams in the past where they've had a lot of pieces and they've gone out and got some big pieces in free agency and they think this is it, right? This is the year and just nothing ends up working, whether it's injuries, whether it's the running game not working, whether it's the passing game not working, whether it's the defense giving up the big points, like nothing seems to be working in Cleveland right now. And I'd be intrigued to know from you two, where do you go from here? Because that was a game that Cleveland should have won. They've got a difficult game against the Bengals next week. If they lose that, they're four and five as a team that should be, you know, winning that division. We all post, we all thought they would win the division, like, you know, 12 and five or something like that. That looks a long way away now. Yeah. So I look at what, so what your friend texted you with is pretty much my thoughts in, you know, in a paragraph. I think that we've been coin tosses on the losses apart from the Cardinals Um, I thought that the win against the Broncos showed that the Browns could win in a gutsy situation with, you know, all the cards dealt against us. We should have beaten the Steelers this week. I think that if Landry doesn't fumble that ball, that ends up being a touchdown and the momentum goes entirely in Cleveland's favour. It just seems that in these weird coin toss flipping moments, there, there seems to be one moment in each of these close games that goes against the Browns. Now, I think that you are right in that good teams don't leave it to coin flips or, you know, good teams turn the luck for them. They make their own luck. And I do think that there is something there. I just find it, I find it maddening. And this is a very Homer way of trying to be neutral, but yet still frustrated that it always seems to be the case that there is always one moment puts the Browns away and I'm not saying it's fated I'm saying that there's definitely a reason for it I don't know what that is I think that for example it you know with the Baker OBJ sort of rant at the moment I would definitely look at it being a case of you know on the part of OBJ maybe that things aren't working out I think the receivers were so poor this week they're not finishing routes they're not confident in finishing routes OBJ with that with that ball that goes through to him on the five yard line he actually slows almost to a halt before he jumps 
if he completes his route and then just sticks his arms out, he is practically in for a touchdown. So, you know, I look at those and all the crap that's going on, on Twitter. It's just a negative time in the, for the Browns at the moment. They need a win. They, they definitely need a win. I think that's kind a win would cleanse a lot at the moment a good authoritative one i don't know what you think sure i know you were a lot more pessimistic about it on the day i don't know if you've had chance to sort of calm down and see the wood for the trees and that yet no look i, I was pessimistic so i just uh, it just felt like a game we were never going to win um you know, yeah a typical browns game essentially yeah, one from like five felt, years ago exactly that it felt exactly like that my friend um so, yeah, I mean, look, in the grand scheme of things, you know, I jokingly say the sky is always falling on Brown's Twitter and, and all the rest of it. You know, the fact is they're, what, a game out of the division lead, they're probably two games out of the bloody AFC lead. That's how tight things are at the moment. So, everybody's saying that the season's over. Let's calm down. Oh, it's the worst trope. It's the worst trope this season. I don't want to hear, unless you're two and five or two and six, yeah, I don't exactly. want to hear the season's over because I think that you could get a wild card with nine and eight at this rate. It exactly. is getting like that. Exactly. Anyway, let's give some credit to the Steelers, which I hate doing, but credit where credit is due. They run the ball well. Najee Harris, nice game, 26 attempts, 91 yards. The offensive line, the much maligned offensive line, got plenty of movement, particularly in the run game, and were dominant at times, which allowed them to control uh, the ball. Um, and they took advantage of that. A ridiculous play just before the half to run a fake field goal, which ultimately ended up with Chris Boswell going out with a concussion, um, which was an absolutely ridiculous um, decision and potentially could have cost them and probably should have cost them in the second half um, as they played without a kicker. Um, but you talk about, you know, Steve, at the, at the the sort of Baker Mayfield, a good quarterback wins this game, you know, we seem to have the same conversation all the time. I don't think Baker Mayfield did anything particularly wrong on Sunday, but when he does it, when he's not doing something wrong, his receivers are letting him down. When the receivers are open, Baker's overthrown them. There's always something, and it just felt like that was the case on Sunday. The Steelers had the two biggest plays of the game. Pat Freemuth with an absolutely unbelievable catch in the back of oh, the end it's zone. It's probably the best catch I've seen this year. Absolutely unbelievable catch. Um, you know, got a defender's hand in there. The ball had actually sort of been knocked away and he readjusted, caught it again, dragged his, his foot in. Those are the kind of catches that win games. You know, when receivers are dropping balls that are hitting them in the hands and then you're seeing receivers on the opposite side of the field make those kind of plays, you know what kind of day you're going to have. And then, of course, to rub salt in the wound, the fumble that was Jarvis Landry's was caused by none other than Joe Showbert, former Browns player, recovered, of course, by TJ Watt, who was an absolute wrecking ball, as he always is. Credit to the Steelers. I actually think their defence, as ever, will keep them competitive. Like you said, Josh, nine wins may well get you in the sniff of a wild card. I can see Pittsburgh being in and around that nine win mark. So, uh, yeah, big, big win for the Steelers um, in divisional play. Is Mike Let Tomlin the best coach in the NFL? I certainly think you can make that argument. Most definitely. He's up, he's up there. He's up he there. I reckon, his, that uh... Billy B, I reckon Billy B, then Mike Tomlin. Yeah, loved his um, his speech in the week as well when he was asked about the college job. Loved that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Certainly yeah, shot that one down, didn't they? Certainly shot that yep. one down. Uh, let's pick up the pace again, fellas. Um, where have we got to go? See, going out of order, I've confused myself now. What happened? We, we haven't done. We haven't done. Chicago, San Francisco. So oh, that's when we can glide right past. <laughs> we finished twenty-two thirty-three. 
we can sort of globe past it because Steve, you, we sort of asked this question last week around Justin Fields, but we probably saw more of a Justin Fields type offense, didn't we, on Sunday? Yeah. Probably his best game as a pro. I know he came out on the losing side, but uh, things to potentially be optimistic there for Bears fans. Yeah, I think you know we can only hammer this. We can only hammer this nail so many times. I think I'm excited to see Justin Fields without Matt Nagy. I think that's coming. It's going to happen sooner or later. Um, but you know, he, he he came back and he showed that he's still got it. And you know, and he's and he's, he's definitely a piece for them to work around. That touchdown run that he had was superb. The fact that he was going down the right side of the field and then turned around and still managed to get it in the end zone, right in the other corner on the left hand side, was was unreal. So yeah, he's he can make the plays with his feet as well, which is which is obviously a crew. Um, uh, piece of the ar- armory in, a, in an NFL quarterback these days, um, and yeah, he's de- he's definitely got it, and I think it's definitely a piece for them to to work around. Um, I think uh, Chicago just need to get up, get on with it, and just just do what we're all waiting for you to do. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Big win for San Francisco. Debo Samuel continuing to sort of mount his claims potentially for comeback player of the year. Um, I believe he's leading the league in receiving. Um, So, yeah, good game for him. Josh, I'm going to come to you on the next game. The Chargers, New England. Chargers 24, New England 27. Probably a little bit of an upset. Most people would have probably been going with the Chargers. Uh, Patriots defence, as ever, seemingly pretty good, seemingly clicking into gear. Um, They stopped Mike Williams, effectively. They stopped the Chargers. Um, Two teams now with similar records. Which one's more likely to get into the playoffs? Do you think this Patriots defence is good enough to get them there? I reckon they both get in. Um, I reckon the Chargers win the division, and then you've got uh, the Patriots getting in as a wild card. Um. Oh, but then that oh, I don't know I don't know you know I because uh, the Patriots are probably going to end up something like nine and eight with everybody else in the AFC. Can can you have like six team tiebreakers? Is that a thing that exists? You know, well, it's, I was it's just going to say tiebreakers are going to be huge, aren't they? They, Tie- they really maybe are. Maybe that's one of these. Maybe that's one of the byproducts of a 17-game season. We're going to get more of this in terms of, you know, a, a bit of a, a tighter sort of bunch in the middle. And maybe, like you say, these exotic tie breaks that come down to points. Yeah, it's going to it's gonna be one of these really odd ones to... where everyone's played like the New York Jets once and they have to do it by <laughs> points different against yeah. the Jets. They should, all, um, they should all have to send their kickers to a neutral venue and have like a kickoff exactly for it. This is exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. Get them all to Lucas Oil stadium and get them all kicking no um the, i think that this is definitely the sort of team that bill belichick wanted to do i know that every time we talk about the patriots i like to focus on bill belichick but i i feel like you've got to give him props here he knew exactly who to lock down he plays a defense game where you take out the biggest player of the game and that's mike williams without a doubt for the Chargers. they did that brilliantly they were able to stop anything on the ground and herbert looked a little lost so that's all you pretty much need to know in terms of the defense defensive scheme but also can we give some props to their offense the new england patriots offense looks fantastic at the moment matt jones i mean was he wearing 10 or 12 you know i i couldn't if if you'd have taken the if you'd have taken it off, you know all the numbers and the letters and everything else, you could have easily have confused uh, Brady with him there. He had a fantastic game. So, so someone's on the hype train. It it's more that 
the Patriots. It it was a it was a brilliant floor, almost flawless it was a, performance. It, it was a new it was a New England type performance, wasn't it? It, it, it was. A, it was. It was. It, you you could have put that in any time frame. You could have put any year's score bug on that game, and it could have been from any year. And um, guess which team visits the Gillette Stadium in two weeks' time? Yep. Hello. <laughs> yes. So we're 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 hoping for a little bit of hurt here in the next couple of weeks, but uh, no. New New England deserve to have a bit of hype at the moment, I think, because there was so much going against them at the start of the year. A bit like Indianapolis. I championed Indianapolis last week, and I'm championing New England this week. I feel like they deserve a bit of love, and Bill Belichick definitely deserves a bit of love because things are clicking. Yeah, definitely, definitely on their way back. Uh, let's talk about TB12. He had a pretty rough go of things. Yes, New Orleans 36, Tampa 27. Three turnovers, all from Mr. Brady in one way, shape or form. Um, Steve, let's talk about the Saints offensively. Obviously, big news in this one. James Winston torn ACL and he's out. I mean, when you bear that in mind, it was an even more remarkable victory in the fact they put up 36 points against this uh, much-hyped, much-praised Tampa defence. Um, you know, where do the Saints go from here the rest of the season? Can they survive the James injury? This was the week of the backup quarterback, wasn't it? Trevor Simeon had a game, Mike White had a game, Geno Smith had a game. It was the week of the backup quarterback. And and yeah, the Saints looked excellent. And they always do in, in the Superdome. You know, you can, it's a tough place to go. They get that place real loud, real rocking in there. And yeah, and you know, they, they just had a, a really sort of all-round polished game. And, and you know, their defence made the takeaways count. Um, their offence, they've obviously got some questions to ask now that, that Winston's out. You know, is Simeon gonna gonna take you anywhere? Probably not. I think we've all probably seen enough of him in the league to suggest that he's not gonna he's not gonna take you too many places. This was an impressive win, but you know, Sean Payton's got some questions he needs to be asking of his offense over the next few weeks. Like, you know, there's some quarterbacks out there. Do they do they go and pick up maybe Cam or or, or someone else? I, there's some interesting rumors around Philip Rivers and whether or not they might no. give him a call because he lives in the area. Apparently, he doesn't live too far away, and apparently, he he said he hasn't heard from them yet, but he would listen if he did. So there you go. There you go. Could, there's no could smoke without fire. Exactly. There is no smoke without fire. Exactly. God, someone get the WD forty out. Say, can you can you imagine it? Can you imagine it? On the yeah, uh, flip side, that's the problem. I can. <laughs> yeah. On the flip side of it, Josh, anything for Tampa to be worried about? New Orleans exposed anything here, or just one of those afternoons? New Orleans Tampa is always one of those games. I think no matter as to how good Tampa are, I think that the Saints had their number in both of their games last year, um, and then Tampa just did the reverse in the playoffs. I think that Sean Payton does very well against the Buccaneers. Uh, definitely something to be said for Brady, though. He just could not get a, he just couldn't get himself going at all. I think that he was second guessing he was second guessing um, throwing to Mike Evans on a few of those players. Um, just just a really odd passing performance from them, and they need the passing game to be able to work because they're not the best on the ground. If Leonard Fournette isn't working, then the Bucks running. Offense isn't working. Um, I think that there's a lot to be said for the Saints just feeling themselves. Winston, as well, was on a tear before, unfortunately, his legs went on a tear. Um, 
you know, so, sorry for the pun. I just thought of it in the moment, and I think my missus said something as well along the same line, so it had to sneak into the show. Uh, she's not exactly the biggest Winston fan. Um, but, you know, he, he was definitely feeling himself. I think the entire team just rallied around, you know, getting in the emotions, big divisional game. I still think they're one of the best teams in the league. I don't think there's going to be too much issue um, currently. They, they're not on a downward trajectory in the same way as, for example, the Chiefs or um, the Chargers, the Browns, anything like that. So, you know, I, I don't see those sort of issues. The NFC definitely have a hierarchy. Yeah, And I definitely. think that the books are in there. They are. They are indeed. Let's finish off then, fellas, with the two primetime games, Sunday night football, Monday night football. Dallas, certainly one of those teams that are at the top of that NFC hierarchy. Not much to shout out about the game itself. 16-20, to 20, obviously won in the, the last few moments with a Cooper rush to Amari Cooper touchdown, um, which I'm sure everyone's now heard the stat, the first Cooper to Cooper following the first Dalton to Dalton that Dallas had uh, last year, which is a nice little bit of symmetry. Obviously an important win and Monday night football, the Giants 17, KC 20. Let's be honest, it's a win that doesn't solve anything for Kansas City, does it really? Let's be honest, if they're relying on a last-minute field goal to beat the Giants, I don't think their problems have disappeared over the course of the last seven days and there will still be questions to ask there. With that said, fellas, we are at trade deadline day. We've had a few bits of business confirmed. I know you boys have been refreshing Twitter as we've been talking, but neither of you have uh, jumped up with anything uh, to my knowledge. I'll just check the private chat. Yeah, yeah, we've still still got nothing absolutely confirmed. Um, So let's have a look at the business that has been done. We kind of referenced it earlier, didn't we? Von Miller, gone from the Broncos to the Rams. I've got to be honest, I didn't even realise that the Rams had any draft picks left to actually trade away, but they've managed to find some more, giving up, is it second and third round pick um, in 2022? Is it this year? The upcoming draft, yeah? 2022. Yeah. So another huge piece to go into that defence. That Now, if you look at those three levels of defence, you've got Aaron Donald, Von Miller and Jalen Ramsey on the same defence. What do we think, fellas? Good trade all round? Um, you know, in terms of the Broncos, the compensation they've got, and obviously in terms of the Rams, the piece that they're getting. Steve, I'll start with you. I think I think the Broncos win the trade if we if we need to pick winners in these things just because he was on a he was coming to the end of his he was going to be a, a, a free agent unrestricted unrestricted free agent at the end of this year so you know they get something for him um, and he still goes down a Broncos legend he won a Super Bowl with them like he's going to go in the Broncos Hall of Fame so you know they get something for him before he walks in free agency and they may pick up a, a, a compensatory pick um, but LA are definitely in the win all win now. They even tweeted it out, didn't they? They tweeted out, we're all in, um, was that was on their official Twitter That's account. Right, so, yeah. so, yeah, LA is, is definitely all in. And they've got they've got all the pieces now. If, if injuries, you know, notwithstanding, they, this has to be the year from them. It has to be. Yeah, I don't think you can pick a loser from this. Um, the Rams got exactly what they wanted. They got Von yep. Miller. I think that they're happy to give up the uh, compensation. They don't care about draft picks. Draft picks are just people that you have to pay a minimum wage to. They're happy not doing that and keeping some of the cap around. Um, And the Broncos, um, you're telling me you're going to get two to three picks from a guy that was going to walk away at the end of the season anyway, in a season where you're not going anywhere fast anyway. Cool. 
Yeah. No, hard to disagree. Seems like a good trade for for both, doesn't it? The other bit of business that I think is confirmed, um, fellas throwing any more that I miss, but I think the only other thing that is confirmed is the Steelers trading Melvin Ingram to the Chiefs in exchange for a sixth-round pick. We talked about the Chiefs' much-maligned defence. I think, to be honest, the longer the season goes on, I think we need to start talking about the much-maligned offence, but we've certainly blamed the defence for a lot. They get some pass-rush help here in Melvin Ingram. Um, same question again, fellas, as we just had around Von Miller. Uh, Steve, again, I'll start with you, buddy. I think this is big for the Chiefs. They needed this help on the outside. They've struggled with the pass rush all season. And this allows um, Frank Clark to rush from the interior, which he's better at. Um, so if they can put Ingram on the outside and have Frank Clark as an interior rusher, this should hopefully help that Chiefs off, uh, off, uh, defensive line. Um, and this is what they'll certainly be hoping. So I think this that's a smart trade for the Chiefs. A guy that wanted out of, of Pittsburgh. Um, a guy that, that still is going to be productive and it gives them a chance to... To, uh, to give them a bit more pass rushing options and hopefully get themselves some pressure because they are not at the moment. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm I'm just wondering as to why the Steelers felt they had to do this. Really, um, you know, I, I I don't know what the contract situation is exactly. I don't know if he's about to walk at the end of the season anyway. But you know, the Steelers are definitely not in a uh, in a position to tank or anything like that. I don't think that this does that necessarily. It's just more of a case of why get rid of someone who is a weapon. So you know, Chiefs obviously get someone good, but for um, you know, for a sixth rounder, I thought that they would have been able to get a bit more for Melvin Grunk because I thought he was a you know he's a good piece of that defense and. Uh, while they might not miss him all that much, they might do if injuries come into play. Yeah, seemed a strange one, didn't it, that he signed with the Steelers and then complained about his playing time. I think he should have known when he was going there and he certainly wasn't uh, getting in front of TJ Watt and obviously got a decent defence there in Pittsburgh. He was always going as a bit of a rotational piece. Yeah. So a little bit of a, a strange one. Um, probably the biggest bit of trade news is the bit of news that hasn't happened, of course. Deshaun Watson has been subject to trade talk all off-season and all sort of regular season up to this point, but it looks as though with 10 minutes to go, he is not going anywhere, seemingly because he will not um, sort his legal thing uh, differences out. So I think, you know, there's obviously a huge amount of concern, and rightfully so, about that being up in the air. Um, so, yeah, looks like a, a bit of a long and winding road. Ultimately, Steve, is going to end nowhere. Yeah, I think we're all a bit shocked, actually. I think most of us probably expected him to go, and it certainly seemed like that earlier this, like, like late last week, there was reports that the, the you know, the, the conversation had been agreed, and it was just waiting on a couple of sign-offs and that sort of thing, but ultimately, you know, when, uh, when you know, there's this much legal problems, and there's, you know, they're going to be giving up potentially three first rounders you don't do that for, on a whim, you know, you, you want to make sure that the person you're getting is, you know, is a, is a is a um a home run hitter so um yeah it's uh it's it, it i'm surprised in this way but it gives the the texans more time to sort it all out they they're happy to just sit on him i'd be intrigued to know do you two think he plays this year I don't if he's not traded now. I think Houston have made the bed and they will lie in that bed now. I think if he had been traded, I think he would have instantly gone onto the field. But I, I don't think he plays um, now, if I'm being honest. Josh, your thoughts? Yeah, Mills season all the way, baby. I I think if they're not even going to put Torah Taylor in, they're not going to put in Deshaun Watson. 
Um, I think that there's just too much into the legal of it all. Yeah. Um, I don't think that Houston even want to get involved. I think they'd have just been very, very happy to have got them off the books. And the only reason why it's not happening is because of guarantees not being given, of which if you're Houston, you don't want to give those guarantees. But if you're Miami or anybody that's interested for him, it has to be a prerequisite. I've said that since the start. There is no way that you would give away hard-earned capital like three firsts or anything even close to it without that sort of guarantee. Completely agree. Um, my mistake, of course, the States, I believe, haven't yet uh, adjusted their clock. So I believe the trade deadline has actually been and gone now, fellas. Um, it was 8 it o'clock has. UK time, not 9 o'clock. I was working on the 5-0 differential. And the only other it bit has. of business that has been done is the Broncos are sending cornerback Kerry Vincent Jr. to the Eagles, Steve, for a six-rounder. Oh, so, yeah, get, oh get the Eagles are buyers. How is yeah. always a buyer? Oh. Get excited about that one, my friend. He will instantly transform oh. your secondary. Um, so and yeah, OBJ's to the Cleveland Browns. Well. Deshaun Jackson's left the uh, the Rams. So yeah, Deshaun Jackson will probably end up somewhere tomorrow. Now he's a free agent. We will wait and see how that uh, all. He'll end up replacing OBJ by tomorrow. He could well do. I would be <laughs> delighted with that after today's events. But yeah, we will uh, we will wait and see how it pans out. Uh, other bit of significant news, fellas, not um, trade related, but I think we would have to touch on it. Horrible, horrible, horrible um, news yeah. coming out of a fatal car accident, which unfortunately Henry Ruggs, the wide receiver for the Las Vegas Raiders, was behind the wheel, and it would appear as though he was under the influence. Looks like he's going to be charged with causing death by dangerous driving whilst under the influence. Potentially, we'll see some prison time. Um, I mean, obviously, first and foremost, massive, massive heartfelt condolences to the victims of the crash um, because, obviously, like I said, I think there's two people that have been have been killed. I mean, yeah. if you've not seen the pictures... I warn you now, they're you quite squeamish. It's yeah. amazing that Henry Ruggs has walked away from that, to be honest. Um, difficult to know what to really say, to be honest, other than to just sort of mention the fact that it's happened. I think we're all going to be universal in our condemnation of the actions that he's taken. And I think we'll all say that he deserves whatever's thrown his way if he never plays another down in the NFL. Well, as far as I'm concerned, that's more than uh, just just uh, rewards for, for that action that he's taken there. So, yeah, horrible, horrible bit of news today. Um, we'll obviously wait and see what happens in terms of that. Fellas, we're going to very, very, very quickly just have a quick look at week number nine because I'm conscious of time. Um, quite frankly, I haven't got time to record another podcast after this one tonight, so we're going to play through. Just <laughs> going to pick honest. Three. Admit it. We are completely honest, completely honest. So I'm just going to run through the games that we have got, and then we've just got a few minutes that we'll just talk about a few that potentially spring off the uh, page. So we open up Colts Jets on Thursday night football, as Steve alluded to earlier. Your Sunday early slate is Giants Raiders, Saints Falcons, Jaguars Bills, Panthers Patriots, Cowboys Broncos, Ravens Vikings and Dolphins Texans. In the late window, you have Eagles Chargers, 49ers Cardinals, and then Monday night football is Steelers against Bears. I've missed three games out because they're the three we're going to loop back to. So Sunday, 6 o'clock, Cincinnati host the Cleveland Browns. Um, obviously, as we've alluded to, Cincinnati still very much in contention for the division. Everybody in the AFC North with four wins or more. So it's a huge game in that respect. CBS ascending Nansen Romo again. The Browns are probably around no. six in front of Nansen Romo. So chalk up a Bengals victory. 
Um, but all Someone aside, sniper Romo, please. Yeah, I can't. All joking, all joking aside, Steve, again, as the neutral in the room, how do you see this one going? Probably a bigger game for the Browns than it is the Bengals because of the situation in the division. But obviously a chance for Cincinnati to really actually stamp their mark and, and become a, a real, real genuine contender for that uh, divisional crown. I don't think anyone saw these teams having the records they did coming into this game in, in week nine. Um, you know, the fact that Cincinnati have got a better record than Cleveland is is, is hard to believe enough as it, itself. Um, this feels like a massive game. It feels like a massive divisional game. Like if Cincinnati win this, they go to six and three. Cleveland go to four and five and have then lost several divisional games um so this is this is a feels like a big game i know if, if cleveland win they go to five and four same record as cincinnati uh, and then and then they'll be above them with the with the head-to-head win so it feels big um this could be a statement win for either side you know if joe burrow comes out and and the bengals offense gets rolling again then you know with the, the way the cleveland defense is playing at the moment i don't know how they stop them but on the flip side of that you know if if the if um now all the trade rumours have gone and now the deadline's gone, you know, if, if the passing offence can return for Cleveland and, you know, I think if there's a couple more guys coming back, I know that injury list is pretty long, um, if they can get some more guys back and just put out a statement win, then this could be the start of the sort of turnaround, that the season begins here, so to speak. So I wouldn't like to call it. I think it's going to be a real tight game. I, you know, I, on paper, I think Cleveland have probably got enough, but... The way that Cincinnati have been playing this week, I, uh, this year, sorry, I, I don't know. They're just that that loss to the the, the Mike White led Jets just seemed like <laughs> such a weird one that I don't really know what to think of Cincinnati anymore. So yeah, I really don't want to call it. Yeah, this has shootout written all over it, doesn't it? I yeah, feel I like so. the you know the Browns I think have played to the offense of the other team. So if you look at the Broncos and the Steelers, low scoring affairs, very dicey, very much a case of trying to run out the clock almost. Whereas you've got games like the Chargers, the Chiefs, um, trying to think of other ones where they were high scoring, but you know, that they will happily go into a shootout and they will put points on the board. So in term in terms of that, I can easily see this being like a forty to thirty seven humdinger where it comes down to Maybe not whoever's got the ball last, but definitely a case of whose defense doesn't give up too many points in the third quarter, maybe. Um, if you guys remember the Bengals hosting the Browns last year, the Bengals had a massive lead in the first half and the Browns came back with what I will always consider as one of the best catches in the NFL, Donovan Peoples-Jones catching it behind his back and toe-tapping with seconds to go. You know, that's definitely something of which, um, you know, I could see happening again. Baker's 5-1 and one against the Bengals. Um, you know, the Browns are good against the Bengals. So if there is a team that the Browns can play in order to get some of their mojo back, I would pick the Bengals four times out of five. So I think it's going to be incredibly close. I'm just glad it's the Bengals, not the Ravens this week. Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting game. I actually think both of these teams match up pretty well against each other. Um, I think the Bengals will be tough to run on. I think they're pretty big on the interior and they've got plenty of length on the outside in terms of Hendrickson. Um, So I think it's going to be difficult for the Browns to get the run game going on the flip side of it. 
Um, you know, I think the Browns in the secondary, um, you know, Greg Newsom in particular, is, you know, he's probably already emerged as the Browns' best cornerback so far this season, you know, potentially can go toe-to-toe with a Jamar Chase. Um, you know, that'll be an interesting matchup to watch. So I think it's going to be an interesting game. Obviously not yet confirmed, but I would be surprised if it's not the Sky Sports game. Looking at the rest of the early slates, potentially, I suppose you could argue Ravens-Vikings might um, usurp it, but I would be surprised if it's not the Bengals and Browns in that early window. I don't think there's any doubt that the game in the late window will be the Chiefs and the Packers. Um, I think every week we have done our pickums. I've picked the Chiefs despite all of their issues. This is the first week I am definitely picking the Green Bay Packers. Um, surely, surely, surely the Packers are going to win this. <laughs> you can just guarantee the Chiefs will probably go and win it now. The NFL is such a weird league, isn't it, Steve? But you know, it's it's got a, everything would suggest that this is going to be a Green Bay win. Is this actually the game that the Chiefs get it right? The the Chiefs schedule just doesn't give them any breaks. Like it's it they every time they get the win, get back to five hundred, they lose again the next week. I keep saying it, they can't put together back to back wins because their schedule's so tough and they're no longer this Titan of a team that, that will roll over teams anymore. The one thing they have got going for them, and it looks like Devontae Adams is still gonna be out. I don't think he's gonna be back in time. So I think on the injury report that's come out, I think he is out. So that's um that's one thing to look for, but then again, Aaron Rodgers did without him last week and was fine against the supposed best team in the league. So uh, this this Kansas City defense shouldn't be anything. And let's not forget that this Kansas City secondary is far far worse than Arizona's is. So I would I would imagine that Green Bay will um, will have a bit of a field day. I can't see anything other than a Green Bay win myself. Yeah, Chiefs are actually favoured, Josh, by a point. Well, they are at home. It's probably the lowest spread they've had at home for God knows how long. But the fact that they're still favoured just goes to show everyone still thinks it's going to click. But they need a sort of statement game. Maybe this is the game, but um, how do you see it going? So I did something that I never thought I'd ever hear myself say do. But I went to check what my missus put down as her picks of the week. Because she's currently beating me on the season by three games. And usually it's the ones where I'm thinking the other way that she ends up winning. Um, and she's put the Chiefs down. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs this week, uh, simply because of that reason and that reason alone. Um, I think it's a coin flip game, to be honest with you, gents. Um, the Packers aren't at full strength. I think that the Cardinals could easily have won that game last week, if not for the funniest interception I've seen in a long time. Um, and, you know, the, not... The Packers don't win easy, either. I don't think I've seen an easy Packers win in a while. The Chiefs can pull it out of the bag. They're at home. It's um, it's definitely not given to them. So I think that this could easily be a coin flip. I'm going to give it to the Chiefs, because if I don't give it to the Chiefs, they're going to win anyway. Um, it's just <laughs> going to be one of those. Um, and this could be a statement game for the Chiefs. We see it all the time where a team will have a few bad weeks, they'll beat a good team, and then they'll go on a bit of a run. But, you know, last night's game against the Giants gives me absolutely no confidence or pleasure whatsoever. Um, I think that we could definitely say that. Um, I think that Patrick Mahomes is definitely not playing to his potential. I think that realistically the only person in that organization that currently is is um, Hill. Um yeah, but I think that the Packers the Packers are going to have to lose at some point, I think. I don't think they go the rest of the season unbeaten. 
and I can easily see it being here. This could be a mini trap game for the Packers because you guys <laughs> are talking trap, quite a trap confidently. Game at Ka- a trap game at KC. Who would have thought we'd have been I know, that, I we? know. It's ridiculous to say those words. It is ridiculous to say those words. But if the Packers think of it like they're going to go in there and just enforce their will, it ain't going to happen. You have to earn yeah. it against the Chiefs, even now. Of course, of course. Final one then, fellas, for the week. Um, Rams, Titans, Sunday night football. Uh, Rams actually favoured now by seven and a half points. I think that's so much to do with the Derrick Henry injury. But let's not rule out this Titans team. You know, good side in their own right. Um, And like we said, you know, Derrick Henry's had games this year when he hasn't necessarily been the biggest factor, certainly in terms of the stat sheet. So, Steve, to round out Sunday night, Rams, Titans, how do you see it going? I think what what this Derrick Henry news is doing is distracting a lot from the fact that the Titans passing game is still relatively good. Uh, AJ Brown over the last two weeks has the highest receiving grade versus single coverage in 96.1. He's the first amongst all receivers. Like AJ Brown is still a legitimately excellent receiver. And Ryan Tannehill, when he has a good game, is you know is a, is a perfectly competent quarterback that can that can you know throw these difficult passes and can can make things happen. So you know I certainly wouldn't rule them out. I think obviously Derrick Henry going down is a big big loss. Not so much because their rush their running game is so crucial but because of he of him of how good he is um i think that's what's more of the sort of newsworthy of it um i think that the titans are still a good team i think they're still very much a you know a team that can win games will they go to la and get the win i doubt it this la team is stacked and stafford and core just seem to be sort of you know just pushing teams aside at the moment um you know without fear and they, they look un- absolutely unstoppable right now um I, I think that, that this will be a loss for the Titans. I think they'll 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 lose this one, but I think they're definitely going to be fine moving forward. Um, as for LA, uh, you know, I don't know if Von Miller's going to play. I think he's questionable. He may well play. I don't know yet. Um, but if he does, that defense looks scary. Um, uh, and their offense is already as good as it is, and now this defense is getting even better. Um, so yes, uh, uh, God forbid for anyone who has to play the Rams anytime soon. Yeah, to be honest with you, that's what I. Yeah, that's what I touch on. Their defense looks scary, and if you're going to go, and if you're going to go very monochromatic in your game calling, uh, play calling on offense against the Rams, you're going to get burned. Um, you know, they're not going to be able to use the run all that much. They know they're going to have to pass, and they have some of the best pass defenders in the game currently. I think Jalen Ramsey's going to have a hell of a game. Uh, personally, um, that's not to even cancel out the rest of their secondary. Um, I don't like the spread. I think the seven and a half is a bit too much weighted on Derek Henry, and I don't think he's been a major factor recently. Um, despite some of the all-purpose yards that he's gotten, I do, however, like the Rams win. If you can get yourself a uh, a cheaper handicap than seven and a half, then I would definitely take it. Something like four and a half. I do like the Rams to win it. I think they're the best team in football at the moment. The Titans have done well against the teams of which I class as the best team in football. But I think that this is one too far for the Titans. I think that there may be a week or two removed from the news of Henry to be able to get themselves back into the groove. And also, let's not forget that the Colts really ran them close. And the Rams are not the Colts. 
No, absolutely. But it is any given week in the NFL, as we said. Who'd have been? Who'd have thought we'd have been talking about Mike White throwing for four hundred yards this time a week ago? Be sure to tune into Adam and the Betting Podcast as we get closer to the weekend. That line of seven and a half may well change. Um, so yeah, certainly pay attention to the betting podcast later in the week also check out the college lads and all the good stuff they're doing plenty of stuff on the website as usual including sean's game balls that we haven't really talked about much this week um so go and check it out we'll get a few polls up on twitter to see if you agree or disagree with sean's selections in his weekly column fellas it's been great to have the three of us back together it's been far too long but uh it has. Yeah, good to get the uh, the regular crew back together. We'll be back to do it all again next week after week nine when we will officially be entering the second half of the NFL season. Until then, it's goodbye from us here at the Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to find us on all our social channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok and YouTube. Head over to our website, full10yards.com, where you can find out more information about why we are hashtag for the game.